Hello, everyone. Lee Arnold back with you for another podcast of Country Music Conversations. Today, we'll be talking to one of the most gifted songwriters and singers in country music, Larry Gatlin, who, with his brothers Rudy and Steve, comprise one of the most popular trios in country music history, and one of the very few who are still performing. But before we start this conversation, here are a few words from our sponsor. Country Music Conversations with Lee Arnold's podcast is made possible by our sponsor, MarketSmith, Inc., the digital media agency that's been growing brands like Toomey, Shark Ninja, New Jersey Lottery, PSE&G, Blue Mercury Cosmetics, and Dick Sporting Goods. You know what makes this agency so good at what they do? Because simply being a marketing agency is no longer enough. Solution-based, problem-solving, and ever-evolving, they create enduring value for DTC and B2B brands by opening up and growing marketing channels. Their patented AI offerings, informed by human intelligence, allow them to act with agility and intellect. I was speaking with the CEO not too long ago, and she was saying they take on clients who know who they are, who want to grow, and clients that know what they want. These big brands choose MarketSmith because they want to merge with a partner who'll make them exceptional and an agency that will grow their revenue. Digital marketing is not easy, but MarketSmith, Inc. knows when to make the media dollars work hard for their clients. You have a brand you want to grow? Well, contact MarketSmith.com and tell them Lee Arnold sent you. Larry grew up in Abilene and Odessa, Texas, where his father was an oil field worker. His musical influences were Southern gospel and country. He and his brothers Rudy and Steve performed in churches from the time that they were youngsters. Larry was a pretty good athlete, too, playing football in high school and at the University of Houston. His first big break came when he auditioned for and joined the gospel group, the Imperials, performing with Jimmy Dean in Las Vegas. And it was there that he met Dottie West, who was impressed with his songwriting skills, having recorded two of his songs. She so strongly believed in his talent that she sent him a plane ticket to come to Nashville. And with Dottie's help, he found work in Nashville as a background singer for Chris Christopherson and landed a recording contract with Monument Records. His first album, The Pilgrim, didn't do that well. He followed up with another album called Rain Rainbow, which gave him his first hit, Delta Dirt. His first major hit was Broken Lady in 1976, which won him a Grammy Award for Best Country Song. Brothers Rudy and Steve made their first appearance on Larry's 1976 album, Larry Gatlin with Family and Friends. His first number one hit was a single he wrote called I Just Wish You Were Someone I Love. Larry's beautiful tenor voice and his soaring falsetto became a trademark of his vocal style. In 1979, he signed with Columbia Records, and from his album Straight Ahead came his signature song and number one hit, All the Gold in California. He continued recording hit after hit in the 80s. Larry's musical influences became his close friends, 
in the likes of Mickey Newberry, Chris Christopherson, and also Johnny Cash. In 1991, Larry underwent surgery on his vocal cords, and after recovery, he worked with an opera coach to rebuild his voice. With success, in many cases, some artists give in to temptation, and Larry was no exception. For a few years, he became another person as a result of his addiction to drugs and alcohol. He would become hostile and angry with all of his audiences. Larry was smart enough to realize that if he continued down that road, his career would be over. So he sought help, and after rehab, he became the man he used to be. Larry had success on Broadway when he starred in the Will Rogers Follies. He's written a memoir, a screenplay, even a Broadway musical. He has appeared on the Fox News Channel quite frequently, and he appears on a regular basis at the Grand Old Opry. I've never met anyone with such drive and magnetic personality. I'm proud to call Larry, Rudy, and Steve longtime friends. I first met Larry back in the 70s at Willie Nelson's Fourth of July picnic in Dripping Springs, Texas. The conversation we'll be featuring today took place in 1986 at Westbury Music Fair in Long Island, New York. Here now is Larry Gatlin. Backstage with Larry Gatlin after just what I would call a natural high. Just another one of those incredible performances. With Larry and the Gatlin brothers and Larry, uh, it's been about a year, not since I've seen you, but since you played Westbury. That's right. Uh, a little over a year because I remember, hi, Lee, how are you? Uh, what we did last time, we went to a ball game, went to a baseball game the day of the, the deal. So it's been a little longer than a year because there are no ball games going on right at this moment. And I saw the New York Yankees play Boston last year. So that's how I know it's been a year. And right now you're riding high with a, a heck of a single from the new album called Partners. A song which you introduced basically, I think it was last June, at Fanfare when you were on the CBS show, She Used to Be Somebody's Baby. That's right. We did it that day, uh, that afternoon, but it debuted on your radio show, as you well remember. I'll give you a little plug. That's the first time it had ever been played anywhere in the world and parts of Wisconsin. This album, and particularly this song from the album, you said you were more excited about this album than anything you've ever done. You felt that this is the best work that you and Rudy and Steve have done. Well, I really do think that it's, uh, it, it just kind of got us back into uh, doing what we know how to do a little bit. Let's get our band and my songs and get in there and have fun. For some crazy reason, I kind of excluded the guys a little bit. We got, we got so busy doing so many things, had so many projects that for a while there, I went in the studio by myself. The record company wanted me to do it this way and one thing and another, so I'm not, not blaming anybody. We just kind of got away from doing what we knew how to do. So this time we took our band back in the studio that we liked with Chip Young, and I said, come on, guys, let's work really hard. Let's have some fun. And when those speakers in that control room, when that stuff coming back over those speakers, when that makes us smile, we know we've got something. And somebody's baby and partners and some of those things, uh, talking to the moon and some of those things on the album, made us smile, and we figured we had some uh, some really quality music. How did you get the idea to write She Used to Be Somebody's Baby? Well, I saw, a, I had a, a an idea for it, but it was going to be kind of a kind of a rock and roll-y type song. I mean, not not that old country rock, but it, a, a different feel to it. And one day I was riding the uh, 
the exercise bicycle in the health club in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And I saw this advertisement for the Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago and it had these elephants going, a doodly doo, I come to the zoo, a do do, I come to the zoo. Kind of like that. And I went, she used to be somebody's baby. I come to the zoo, a do I mean, just that old feel, you know. And it was so neat. Like the elephant was playing his trunk, you know, and the giraffe was singing. And it was the wildest little thing. I, and I love that feel uh, that it had to that song. So, um, I did it. I told this story on the Tonight Show, and the director of the Lincoln Park Zoo sent me a free pass for a year. (laughs) (laughs) And Lincoln Park Zoo t-shirts, yes. Aside from She Used to Be Somebody's Baby, there's some other great material on there, including uh, future hit singles like Changing Partners, another great song. Thank you. That will be a single. I I believe the first single, or the next one after She Used to Be Somebody's Baby, will probably be uh, Talking to the Moon. Is that your pick? Well, it's for sure now. <laughs> if Pamela Joe Bob likes it, by golly, that's the next. We really love changing partners. I wrote it one night in Canada, and we did it on stage that night, believe it or not. You know how crazy I am about doing stuff like that. And I wrote changing, I mean, I wrote uh, Talking to the Moon on a golf course one day in the Phoenix, Arizona before a gig. And uh, it just has such a neat little feel to it. I don't see how anybody can keep from playing it. Another one in there, you did a duet with Janie Fricky. Uh huh. Isn't she wonderful? Gosh, what a wonderful lady and a great singer. We got that song recorded. We did it, and uh, all of a sudden I looked up and I said, boy, that'd be a great duet. So I called her. I sent it to her. She came to Nashville. and we, we had already done it. We held up the album, in fact, a couple of three weeks to get, you know, to make Janie's, uh, make a room for her schedule and, you know, wait for her. And uh, she came in there, and she sang it one time, for practice and then they turned the red light on the machines and we sang it together and we haven't touched i think she overdubbed one line differently it's just the way we did it and i i mean i believe that's a hit record i mean i'm really happy with that one and that's going to come out sooner or later i'm not sure but if uh, if we can't talk them into releasing that song uh, golly i don't know what we're going to do the record business is different than i know about it if we can't release that one You've never done duets with anybody, as I recall. That, that's got to be one of the first, isn't it? Well, I've done a little backup singing with people. You know, people would ask me. Like Willie? Yeah, I'd ask you to come be on the record and stuff. But I've never really done a quote-unquote duet. And i tell you what, if you can find somebody that sings better than Janie Fricky, I'll go do a duet with her. But until then, she'll sure do. She is the best, Larry. There's no question. Another song on the album which, which stood out, to my mind, is a potential single. It's called Little White Lies. That is a song that we went in to record in the first place. I mean, that's the one we all thought was a hit and that we wanted to work on. And I like the song, but it has jumped down to fifth or sixth favorite for me personally. I, the one I like is, uh, uh, he's, he's got a lot of woman on his hand. That's the one I really like, even ahead of White Lies now. But I don't know. The ones I pick. Half the time don't do any good. And the, the way to do it, I take them home and play them for my kids and the ones that they can repeat the first time they hear them. Those are the ones that we release. So we're going to get uh, She Used to Be Somebody's Baby, Talking to the Moon, Changing Partners, and From Time to Time It Feels Like Love Again. Those are the ones the, kid love, the kids love. So children are usually a very good judge of things like that. Because they're honest. They're honest and they can repeat it. You know, and it, it's, it becomes familiar to them. And uh, you, you find out that 
in this business, after you listen a while, that the songs that stay with your mind, they'll just be one little phrase or two little phrases. I tell you what I've been singing all day is, it's just whoa, 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 ain't no yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's a new one. We'll be that's in the new, new album. The next album. But this I've been, was I've this was in three this, days. I can't quit singing a darn thing. That was inspired from the lady in the audience. Said, Did you really write that? <laughs> that Maybe it'll be good. That was a Roy Orbison inspired song, wasn't it, Larry? I love Roy. He's a wonderful man, a great singer. And I was just sitting around one day, whoa, whoa, and yay, yay, and and uh, kind of trying to do my Roy Orbison impersonation, just in the car somewhere. I don't even remember. on the car, in the car headed downtown Nashville. I remember now. And uh, so I wrote this new thing called it. It's just whoa, 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 ain't no yay, yay, yay. Ah, kind of silly, but I mean, my God, nobody said that Elvira was really a great masterpiece of lyrical content, and I'd like to have one just like that, so maybe this is it. Whoa, 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 yay, yay, yay. Remember when you were here a year and a half ago, Larry, when we saw you in concert, you did a song, and you did two parts. You actually wrote a duet for yourself and Willie, which you tried to sell them on the golf course, oh, yeah. which never happened. Tonight, you did another masterpiece, actually a bit of poetry, a song that you wrote for Willie. Yeah. And it is absolutely incredible. The title, Eagle, I, I didn't get the title. It's called uh, Just the Eagle. We were coming home, riding the bus one day, and my bus driver said, let's let's write a song for Willie called I'm an Eagle or The Eagle or Fly Like an Eagle or something like that. And about 20 minutes later, we had it done, and I sang it that night on stage, and just the house came tumbling down. Um, Willie's a very, very special person. I don't mean that he's any better or any worse than anybody else in God's eyes or in man's eyes either, but he's just, he has paved, you know, he's blazed a path for country music and for music in general and his way of doing things and out of nothing more than respect and love for willie i wrote this song his good friend and my good friend daryl royal i sang it for daryl he said larry willie will never sing that song about himself said he's too shy said uh, he just couldn't say those things about himself because they are kind of inflated i mean you have to understand that's larry gatlin seeing it and i guess if I had done all the things in, in the music business that Willie had, I wouldn't feel bad about singing it. Because, you know, there have been times I'd kind of toot my own horn anyway, which I shouldn't have it a lot of times. But, Gummit, if you're Willie Nelson, just stand up on your two hind legs and say, hey, I'm an eagle, and that's the way it is. But Willie probably won't do it. So if he doesn't do it, what I'll probably wind up doing it, you know, the first line says, My days as an eagle, one day will be gone. And one night I'll sing and play my last song. What I'll probably do is do it third person and say, His days as an eagle, one day will be gone. And one night he'll play and sing his last song. He'll lay down his guitar, say goodbye to the band. But he's an eagle, till then he'll fly just as high as he can. Probably do it like that and it'll be a tribute for me because I love Willie Hugh. And it's a 10. Thank you. I'm really proud of that song. It makes me smile when I think about it. When you're proud about songs, there's no song you could be prouder of than one that's going to be included in every Larry Gantlin show that you will ever do with Rudy and Steve. A song which probably is the dearest thing to your heart and probably a song that's been recorded by more people outside of yourself than any other Larry Gantlin song called The Bitter They Are. Oh, Bitter They Are, Harder They Fall. I do that uh, every night just for me. You know, in hopes that somebody else will like it. It brings back so many fond memories of me, of my first year, first year and a half in Nashville, when our town was really cooking, you know, full of incredible artists and songwriters. And it, it, there still are a lot of good songwriters there, but I, I would 
I haven't been in any rooms lately with the likes of Christofferson and Newberry and Willie Nelson and Roger Miller and John Cash all at one in one sitting. Uh, and that's that's what that that uh, song reminds me of those first few days when I was just still wet behind the ears and trying to to learn my craft a little bit. So it's always been a very special song to me. You took something that took a lot of courage, not courage. I would say even more, more than courage, a lot of guts. When you did a TV commercial for the members only people about drug abuse and alcohol abuse, which is being shown nationally now, some pretty strong words and some pretty strong personal sentiments there, Larry. Well, you know, Lee, you can stand up. I've been doing a lot of things with kids lately at high schools and I did, uh, Four, four different high schools last week talking about drug abuse and alcohol abuse, something that I'm familiar with on a first-hand basis. Um, I went through living hell for about seven years. Uh, nobody's fault but my own. I'm not trying to shirk my responsibility. But uh, we're in a battle. We are in a battle just as surely as if the Russians or anybody else had invaded our shores uh, because uh, the elements of South America and Turkey and Mexico those people who are invading our shores with heroin and cocaine and all the different kinds of drugs that they're doing, and the battle that we fight with prescription drugs that people get a hold of on the black market or that uh, doctors prescribe for people, we're really fighting a battle. Um, the people from Members Only, Ed Wachtell and Herb Goldsmith, asked me if I would come and uh, and make a stand. And uh, I was more than happy to do that. I can stand up there till I'm blue in the face and beg those young people not to do it. And there's just a certain number of them that are going to do it anyway. You know, when I was a kid, the more my daddy told me not to do something, the more I wanted to do it. So there's a, there's a certain number, a certain percentage of those people who are not going to listen, no matter if it's me or, or Daryl Strawberry or anybody else telling them or begging them not to do it. But if one kid stops doing drugs or doesn't do them in the first place or realizes they have a problem and goes somewhere and gets help, uh, then what little I've done in that respect uh, is is well worth the time and effort spent. I thank God that I'm alive, and if uh, somebody can benefit from my story or what's happened to me, I'm really thankful. I think the people from Members Only, this isn't a plug for them, but they've dedicated their entire $6 million budget this year for nothing else but having people stand up there. Yeah, they wear a Members Only jacket, and they just stand up there, but there's no plug for Members Only. It just says... Hi, I'm Larry Gatlin. I did this. Or hi, I'm Boomer Esiason. I did this. Or I'm Buck Williams. I did this. And don't do it. And uh, so it's it's been a wonderful program. I think they should be commended for their effort. Aside from your writing, which is absolutely incredible, of all the songs you've written for yourself and for other people that have recorded Larry Gatlin songs, you've been not only the musical conscience, but really now the social conscience of America touching subjects which you feel are important, aside from what we just discussed, but things such as Runaway Go Home, the situation of the runaway kids? I uh, I saw that on a billboard. The uh, Continental Trailways had a big sign that said, Runaways Go Home Free on Continental Trailways. And I just, Runaway Go Home, Runaway Go Home. It kept going over in my mind. I wrote it on the back of a receipt in the cab. And uh, I tell you what, Lee, I'm not on a stump. I'm not on a soapbox. Uh, I just believe... That for a long, long time, I was a taker. I took everything out of life. I collected people and money and fame. And I, co- I collected. I was a collector. And I got very stagnant. I didn't give anything back. And I still screw up. I still make a lot of mistakes. I'm just human. I'm no better or worse than anybody else. But I really am trying 
to put something back in life. And God has given me an incredible means and an incredible vehicle to do that. I have two wonderful brothers, a fabulous bunch of guys who work with me and around me and the band and the road crew and everything else. And, and we have a vehicle. We have a platform, literally and figuratively, from which, you know, from which we can stand and, uh, and do something. Uh, I believe with all my heart that my number one job is to entertain people. Uh, in so doing, I don't think it says any place in the rule book that you can't make some statements and stand up and say, hey, folks, this is something I'd like to call your attention to. Now, I'm not going to go up there and preach to them. I'm not going to go up there and sing a bunch of anti-war songs, anti-drug songs, anti-this, anti-that. I'm pro-life. I'm pro-happiness, pro-joy. you know, joy. Um, But those things do come up. There are a million kids, I say kids, I use that term, a million young people who've run away from home on the streets of America today. And all of them can't go home. Maybe their daddies or moms abuse them. I know all of them can't go home. Some of them can. And if they just knew that there are places they can go, they don't have to go home. There are crisis centers and oasis houses and shelters in almost every city. So those are just some things I want to touch on. I just want people to come for two hours to our show and and forget about their troubles for a while and let the Gatlin boys make them laugh and cry and clap and boogie and smile. With you, the well never seems to run dry when it comes to writing songs and ideas for songs. Not only songs, but hit songs. It seems endless, Larry. Like, even tonight, the Willie Nelson song, The Eagle. Another new song which you'll be doing in your album called Baby... Uh, called, uh, it's just Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. I don't know no, what we're The, the other one, Baby... Oh, uh, not Just Another Pretty Face. It's got to be you. Yeah, there's three hits right there, sounds to me like. <laughs> well, I, I'm a good listener. Believe it or not, for all of my bravado and happy caca, uh, I try to listen. I read a lot. And I just believe that uh, God looked down and, you know, one day and said, uh, that's what he's supposed to do, you know. God said, O.J. Simpson's supposed to run with the football. Walter Payton's supposed to run with the football. Uh, so-and-so's supposed to do something else. And uh, Johnny Bob's supposed to be a fireman. And he did all that, and he just said, Larry Gatlin's supposed to write songs. Toughest song you ever had to write? Golly, I worked on the... You, Pam was there one night. Uh, the hardest... The, the song that was the toughest to write and put together was a thing called The Gypsy Flower Child. Do you remember that? Conceived in New York. In New York City. A little play, was it called J.P.'s? J.P.'s. Yeah. Yeah. J.P.'s. We went, we went to see... Uh, we went Chip to Taylor. See Chip Taylor. Oh, I love his song, right? And that little, the wind blew that little gypsy kid in off the street. The reason it was a hard song to write was that it was almost eight minutes long. And the way I turned it in, it was very convoluted. It was almost as bad as a Robert Ludlum novel. I mean, you know, it was, everybody wound up, you know, oh, it was crazy. But I'm really proud of that song, too. But that, that one was a tough one. Oh, it, it took you. I tell you what, finally made me finish it. Remember, I had the first part, and Joe Bonzel, the Oak Ridge Boys, came to me and said, uh, "Can you write a song about child abuse?" Because they had that big thing. Right. The Oak Ridge Boys had stars for children in Fort Worth and Dallas every year. And uh, when he kind of spurred me on, I finished it the night he asked me about it. But that one was that one was hard to write. All the Gold California took seven minutes, so sometimes they're real hard, and sometimes they're they're not so hard. But hey. What the heck? I mean, I wasn't doing anything anyway. What's the big wish for 87? Um, the big wish for 87, I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow 
mentally, I want to expand myself, try to learn some things. Uh, musically, I want to grow. I want to be a better wife to better husband to my wife, a better uh, better wife to my husband. That doesn't sound right. I want to be a better husband to my wife. I want to be a better father to my children. I want to be a better friend to my friends. Uh, I want to grow spiritually. I want to learn to. Sometimes I get up on the wrong side of the bed and I'm grumpy. I don't take very good care of God's children sometimes, and I want to do that better. And that's no bullshit. You can't say bullshit. You have to bleep that out. I just want to take better care of God's children. There are a lot of people I come in contact with. I'm not Jerry Falwell. I'm not Billy Graham. I just sometimes don't take very good care of my fellow man. It's easier to do it on stage because everybody says, Oh, isn't he wonderful? God, look, Martha, he's sacrificing so much. He's such a wonderful young man. Look at him up there. Then get me off stage, and sometimes I'm not that nice. I just want to grow. I think when I stop growing in all these ways, I'm going to die, and I don't want to die. I want to grow. And so for 87, that's what I want to do. I just want to grow. You may want to grow, but I think everybody can learn an awful lot from you and what, what you've stood for throughout the years, throughout everything, Larry. And I want to thank you for, for the chat again and the visit, because uh, in our book, you are the Rolls Royce. There's none other. Well, I really appreciate that. You've always been my friend. And I'll tell you what's good about our relationship. If it what, if we didn't have radio and records and uh, DJ, disc jockey shows and microphones and tape recorders, I still know that we'd be very best of friends. And I love you and appreciate you for that. And there's Larry Gatlin, just being himself. Next week on Country Music Conversations, we'll be talking to a legend and icon, Johnny Cash. Until then, stay safe and keep it country.